Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. We love him. You've said the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Give us, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, these wonderful characteristics and fruits. So thank you for blessing us in this session. In Jesus' name, amen. We're happy that today we have some of our teachers here. We welcome you, and we hope that you'll be praying for us during this session. We're going to have a good time together. You know, the Lord wants his children to be gladvenists, not sadvenists, right? Good. So uh, we have some questions. <clears throat> by the way, the questions that are raised by three, that are read by three, represent scads of them in the envelope under this subject. But uh, we figured it's best to take about just a few of these, and they'll represent uh, the other questions that, ca that came in under the same subject. Uh, who is, which of you good young people are coming up first? You, thank you. And what's your name? Lori. Marty? Lori. Lori. Oh, that's a good name, isn't it? I tell you, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, right? Thank you. What is the question, the first question? You have more than one, don't you? Three of them. You have three. Let's ask the first then. Okay, why do people continually get depressed? Why do people continually get depressed? That's a good question. And did you know that there are 826 texts of Scripture that tell us how to keep from getting depressed? 826. And one of the 826 says this, Rejoice evermore. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 Another says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.18 then there's another text, James 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Count it all joy when you fall. <laughs> Imagine, in a diverse temptation. Count all joy when you fall. I was holding a series, my wife and I down in, in uh, um, which island was that? Uh, St. Thomas, and what's the one right next to St. Thomas Island? St. Croix, thank you. And I, got, I had a great burden to keep our people from getting depressed. And I thought, how in the world am I going to go about this? I said, this is what I'll do. I'll select one man in the audience, and I will exhort him that if he wants to keep from getting depressed, praise the Lord no matter what happens. So I started with this text. And everything give thanks. No. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. And I... And I singled him out from the audience. I figured if I kind of talked to him, maybe the people would listen. So I said, Brother, the Bible says to count it all joy when you fall into all kinds of temptations. I said, if you fell and broke your leg, would you rejoice? You should, you know. And just while I was exhorting him, there's a wasp up on the ceiling. And the wasp seemed to have the ESP, whatever that is. And the wasp took the whole situation, what I was saying, and he made a beautiful curve, and he came right back, and he came right between my glasses and my eyelid, my right eye, came clear over next to my nose, and he went zim, zim, zim. He, he sewed up my eyelid just like a singer sewing machine. And here I was saying to this man, no matter what happens, you, the Bible says to rejoice, and then it dawned over me that I'd either have to rejoice or be a public hypocrite. So I said, well, praise the Lord. 
And the rest of that night, I preached with one eye and one mouth, of course. And I went home, and that wasp pastor had put more, it seemed like he'd been out in-gathering to get all the poison from all the wasps to put in my eye. I went home that night, and I said to my wife, that thing is swollen more than anything I've ever seen in my life. That thing will be swollen for 30 days. Well, praise the Lord, thank the Lord. And the Bible says that when we praise the Lord, the Lord actually saturates us with his life, full of healing. So I kept praising the Lord and praising the Lord. And the next night when I went to church, nobody had known that Mr. Wasp, I don't know what it was, Mr. or Mrs., I didn't care, whether they'd ever been around. So the way to keep from being depressed is to think of all the blessings we have, you see. Uh, people that think of getting married, you know, they think, oh, I'm going to be happy no matter who it is. <laughs> but when they get married, they're like, often like the woman that went to a minister. She said, look, will you unmarry me? And he said, I can't do that. He said, the Bible says, take the man for better or worse. She said, I know it, but he's worse than I took him for. And I'm thinking of a lady that called us, this happened in California. All the negatives happen out in California, you understand, until we get out there. Then we tell about those in Tennessee and Georgia, seldom Florida, but other places. And this lady called me on the telephone. She was a married lady. And she was depressed. And I'm just going to mimic how she went about it. Hello, Pastor Good. Yes. I've got to see you right away. Oh. I must see you. I'm married to a monster. Now, I tell the older people that usually when Mrs. Monster is married to Mr. Monster, she is usually Mrs. Monster. Not always, but sometimes. So I said, listen, my next series is to be at your church. I'm to be there Friday. I can't wait that long. My husband's terrible. I said, but look, you could wait a couple more days. I need a little relaxation between this. I can't wait. I got to... I said, okay, then I'll come early. I'll cut my little rest period. Went down Wednesday. She brought her monster husband in. She told me what a terrible mountain. And I gave her counsel and didn't do better good. Came back the next day, worse. Gave her some more counsel, came back in, worse. Then I remembered, wait, there are 826 texts of Scripture that tell us to be rejoicing no matter what happens. It says to do it. And we had learned that there's a 10-point program. You make a list of 10 things for which you should be grateful. You put each one of those in a sentence, Nehemiah 10. Joy plus the Lord equals strength. And I'd been practicing this, and I'd been having a lot of fun with it. And I'd been teaching people, write down things for which you're happy. The simplest things like uh, toothbrush. <laughs> How many glad people use toothbrushes? Good. Uh, a toothpaste, <laughs> you know. And then teeth to brush. And one of the young men was traveling with me, and when he formed his own team, he got just that far before an audience. He said, put down teeth to brush. And a little lady back there in the middle of the audience, she said, Brother Steve. He didn't want to be up interrupted. He kept right on talking. Brother Steve. Kept right on talking. Brother Steve. He found he had to stop. Yes, sister. She said, Brother Steve, I thank the Lord for my gums. Thank the Lord for everything. Amen. Thank the Lord for jaw to hold our teeth in. What good would teeth be out in space without any jaw? Thank the Lord for neck to hold our jaw with. 
I got that far one evening, and one lady turned another, and she said, uh, he's getting silly now. I said, if you think I'm getting silly, get along without your neck one day. We're not praising the Lord enough. For everything, praise the Lord. 826 texts. So I shared this with this woman. I said, you go home and make a list of 10 things for which you should be grateful. Put each one into a sentence. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for this. Will you do it? I said, if you do, you can be happy. You don't have to be depressed anymore. She said, are you sure? I'm sure. The Bible says so. It says that God will saturate us with healing life and love and joy if we'll just praise him when everything goes wrong. You sure? Yes, I'm sure. They went home. The next day she called me on the phone. Pastor Good. Yes. Are you sure you weren't telling me yesterday that the marriage was all my fault? No, I'm not telling you the marriage is all your fault. But if you want to be happy, no matter what happens, you don't have to be depressed. You go through this 10-point program, the next day add 10 more, the 10th day you have 100 things. You can be happy no matter how Mr. Monster acts. Are you sure it wasn't all my fault? Yeah, I'm sure. Will you do it? Okay. Three nights later, Pastor, at the close of the service, I walked out in the entryway, and I, there I saw this lady's husband, and this is how he looked. I knew something had happened. I said, where's your wife? He said, she's back in the back of the sanctuary city. I said, let's go in and see her. I knew something. I had good news. I stepped in the pew just in front of her, and she was looking like this. I said, sister, you've been practicing the 10-point program, haven't you? And this is what she did. I said, you're happy now, aren't you? She said, I said, you and your husband are sweethearts. The depression is gone. You see, 826 texts that tell us to be happy when everything goes wrong. God wants us to be glad, Venice. I've often told people it's bad enough to be Glenn Coon without being Glenn Crab. You know. Next question. People pay tithes on gifts. My wife and I pay tithes on gifts, and I'll tell you how we do it. If a person gives us something that's worth $40, but if at a public auction we couldn't afford it to pay more than five, we pay tithe on the $5. If we were to pay tithe on what he paid for it, we'd be paying more tithe than we'd have paid for it in many cases. See, that's what we do. Because our God is a reasonable God. Amen. Next one. Why is life so difficult? Why is life so difficult? Why does the Bible say life is so difficult? Two or three reasons. Number one, number one, there's a person that's called the devil. And there's another name for him called Satan. And Satan, a lot of people don't seem to realize, Satan is really a devil, right? He's a devil. And the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the devil, Ephesians 6, 12 and onward. He is determined, when a person gives one's life to the Lord, he's determined to try to get him to drop the cross. Isn't he a devil? He knows that if we prove true to the Lord a little longer, we're going to have eternal life, Pastor, right? What a day it'll be. What a joy. So the old devil, being a devil, is acting devilish. Then another thing is why life is so, so distressing is because people haven't learned to claim the promises. How many promises? 3,500, 
73 promises are clusters of promises. Some come in, in, in groups of five or six, go into thousands, and every promise contains the answer. <laughs> Why should we get depressed when we have a God that has all the answers, you see? Amen? Thank you. All right, thank you. Now the next young saint. <clears throat> all right, thank you. When you ask God for forgiveness and keep going back to your old habits, will he forgive you? Isn't that a good question? Let me give you a little story. <laughs> I like to tell little stories. They're true. One of the first one of the first things I often tell little people in the first, second, third grade, because I want them to get it before they get to be your age, I'll say to them, to the little folks, you know, little tykes, sweet little people, I said, you know, if you should sin today, would Jesus forgive you? And you know what the little heads will do? I said, but now listen here. If you commit that same sin twice today, when you know better, will he forgive you then? And you know what the little heads go? Where'd they get that idea from? Oh, Mr. Devil. Did you know the devil's, one of the devil's ace cards is God won't forgive? That's a lie. I said, yes, he will. But now listen, I take a serious look. I said, but now listen. If you do that same thing seven times today when you know better, you think God will still forgive you? And you know what they'll do? They learn fast. Suppose you do that same sin 490 times today. Will God still forgive you? Will he? I said, you see, your sinning doesn't change God. That's important. My sinning does not change God into a loving Savior, into a monster. My sinning does not change God. It changes me. It hurts God. Every time we sin, it hurts the heart of Jesus. But it does not change his love. Amen? But it does make it harder for me to believe he'll forgive because old Mr. Devil comes along and said, look, you've done that too many times, he won't forgive. You know what the devil's ace card was when he got a third of the angels to sin and they wanted to go back and they wanted to ask God to forgive them? The devil's ace card was God will not forgive. That's a devilish doctrine. God will forgive. And some young people have come to me and they said, but I did it deliberately. I said, wait a minute. You may think you've done it deliberately, but the facts are you did it through weakness and through discouragement because the devil said God won't forgive. And you figured, well, if he won't forgive, I might just as well do it again. Don't get the impression that we have a God that doesn't forgive. He'll forgive, 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 forgive. But the more we do it, the more it hurts us. We get scars. And the more the devil pounces on us and says, the Lord will... will the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile is he, wash all my sins away. Amen. You see? A little girl came to me, a little, little nine-year-old girl, I guess, at one of our weeks of prayer. When she saw that all the other children were sitting, she came up and modulated her voice. Pastor Kuhn, do you think I have committed the unpardonable sin? 
Who told her she'd done that? The devil. Isn't he a devil? I'm not in favor of the old devil, are you? I don't like him, do you? I want him to get out of here, don't you? But that's his ace card. He gets us to do what's wrong. Then he wants to discourage us by saying God doesn't forgive. Jesus said, though 70 times 7, forgiveness is still possible. Isn't he wonderful? Did we have another question? Thank you. We'll take the next one. Thank you so much. What is your name, Sister? Is your name Sister Joyful? <laughs> Annette. Annette, good. Okay. Is it bad to get scared when you think about going to heaven because you don't think you can, will make it? Now, isn't that, isn't that an interesting question? Isn't that an important one? 1 John 4, 17, 18 says, it says, perfect love casteth out fear. It says, fear hath torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So how can we be sure we go to heaven? Here's the story. The Bible says all have sinned, right? How many sinners are there here? All have sinned. That's Romans 3, 23. The Bible says in John 1, 29, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. By the way, that's a B of salvation. The A of salvation is all of sin. The B of salvation is, behold the Lamb of God. He'll take away our sin. The C of salvation is triple C. If we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I come to him. I come, Matthew eleven twenty eight. I come confessing my sins. He forgives me and cleanses me. And then right after that, he said in 1 John 2.25, I promise you eternal life. So as you've confessed his sin, or whoever wrote that, as they've confessed their sin and believed in the Lord, they have now the beginning of eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? The beginning of eternal life. So we can all say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Now there's this that's very important. And let me share with you this story, which is so important. And I, we share it with older people in almost every series. A lady came to one of our ministers. She was a lady, full-grown lady. She had been a member of our church for 40 years, so you know she was older. She was one of those old ladies. And she said to the pastor, I've got a problem. He said, maybe I can help you. What is it? She said, it's forgiveness. He said, well, here's a promise. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's what? Everybody, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, uh, have you confessed your sins? Yes, she said, hundreds of times. Well, then we're going to kneel down and ask God and believe and claim forgiveness. So they did. When he got up from his knees, he said, now you're forgiven. She said, no, I'm not. That's what I came to see you for. He said, you believe the Bible? Oh, yes, I believe the Bible. You believe this promise? First John 1, oh, yes. Have you confessed your sins? Yes, hundreds of times for 40 years. Well, then you're forgiven. Pastor, I'm not. That's what I came to see you for. I can't get it. He said, wait, wait a minute. You say you believe all about it? Yes. You believe this promise? Yes. You've confessed your sins? Yes. Well, then you're forgiven. Pastor, I'm not. And then he must have claimed a promise of wisdom to know what to say. And the Lord gave him an answer. He said, listen, if, have you confessed all of your sins? She said, so far as I know. 
He said, if the Holy Spirit pointed out one sin you've not confessed, would you be willing to do it? She said, I surely would. He said, what about the sin that's brought to view in 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, the middle of the verse? He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. How about asking God to forgive you for 40 years not believing it when God said he'd forgive you? He said he'd do it. Why didn't you believe him? He said it kindly. She said, Pastor, let's get down on my knees. I'll ask God to forgive me for having made him a liar for 40 years. And they got down on their knees. Lord, forgive me. The pastor was ready to get up then. She's no pastor. Now I'm going to tell him that I believe he's forgiven every sin. I really believe. And when she got up, Pastor, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. It's wonderful. And then her countenance darkened a bit. She said, Pastor, what a tragedy. I could have been forgiven 40 years ago if I hadn't made God a liar. From now on, I'll never make him a liar again. There was a medical doctor in one of our meetings, and he heard me tell that story. After the meeting was over, he went into the book and Bible tent at the camp meeting, and there was a minister there, and he said to the minister, I've just got the shock of my life. What's that? He said, I think he was the first elder of the church. He said, I have been making God a liar for 20 years. The minister said, what are you going to do now, doctor? He said, from now on, I'm claiming God's promise. I am forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm God's child. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. All right, that is, uh, that is that question. Now we're going to ask Jeanette if she'll sing for us. <clears throat> We thank you today for your kindness You really have shown us your love Let all of us now be a witness To the miracles from God above Alleluia, 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 Alleluia Alleluia, 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 Alleluia The joy of the Lord is your strength. <clears throat> Wonderful. That's what the Lord wants us to do, is to start thanking him for everything we can think of. And you know, that's, that's, that is the key to the Christian life. Praising the Lord in all kinds of trouble. Praise him just the same. Make a list of things for which you're grateful. Brother and Sister Newharth often give studies to the younger set, first, second, third grades, and so on. And he'll start teaching them 
this joy program. And you know, they'll, they'll present, oh, hundreds of things for which to be grateful. <laughs> a lady came to me. She said she thought she ought to commit suicide. I'd known her in college. And I told her about the 10-point program of giving thanks. She thought that was the most ridiculous thing. She was a teacher. Finally, she began to kind of joke. She said, I, uh, I found the nine things. I, I saw a cat, and I said, thank you, Lord, for the cat. And the cat has nine lives, so that's nine out of the ten. Finally, I persuaded her to try. Two weeks later, I met her in church. She was a different person. She said, the Lord has given you a message. You give it to the world. Our people have the right to be happy. Later, she wrote us. She was a church school teacher. She taught the young people to bring every day to school things for which they're grateful. She said it changed the church school, it changed the parents, changed everybody. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So, wonderful, wonderful Jesus, he is my friend, true to the end. He gave himself to redeem me. I love him when I think how little I deserve and how much he does. So wonderful, wonderful Jesus, he is my friend, true to the end, he gave himself to redeem me, Jesus, wonderful Thank you for your sweet benediction and thank you for these wonderful young people. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.